Welcome to the Lead in Davis podcast. Put a lid on it. I'm your host, Dan Linford, and my guests today are Sydney Morse, Joan L. Winham, and Shelly Trulson. And say hi. Hello. Hello. Okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get to know one another um, and have a conversation. Hopefully, ask you some questions you've never thought about too much. And um, I I really for this this portion of our conversation, I hope you'll just you know let loose, be vulnerable, give us your best your best answer. So the first question: If you could only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life what would it be of course you're going to start with me cuz i am not a pop fiction like genius <laughs> <laughs> i'm probably terrible at it um one song how about you're the inspiration can we you're go with that one? like chicago dude like... i sang that when i was uh. in junior high in the choir oh really i did can you give us a little taste mm. oh how about no yeah. um so yeah it's like you're the inspiration like that is that <laughs> song you, yeah, Chicago Wilford, yeah I, appreciate I think that. I was like 12 the last time yes. I really listened to that song but I mean yeah. honestly if you walk into a room there's somebody almost always looking at you that is inspired by you you just don't know it and if you look around that room there's almost always somebody in there that you're inspired by and so it's kind of a cool thought if you really if you really take the time to analyze that. Unless it's like a room full of my children. Oh, and no, they're, they're like, the best. They're, they're like, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, Sydney? Uptown Funk. <laughs> Uptown Funk. Um, I had somebody ask me one time, like, what my song was that I listened to, like, before I go into the school. Because sometimes, you know, some days are just harder than others, and you just have to go in with a positive attitude. Anyway, so that was a song that I was like, this song always puts me in a positive attitude. And so, yeah, it is honestly a song what I listen to when I, sometimes on my way to school, sometimes when I just feel like I'm in a grumpy mood. I didn't think about it as far as people like looking at me, but I thought of it as more as like, if I'm walking into a room, maybe it's to deal with a problem or to deal with like something. That song always puts me in a good mood. Uptown Funk. I'm trying to think about. I know. I know the song. Obviously, you have to know that everyone knows that song. I'm trying to think of my mindset as I go into like a discipline situation. I'm like, Uptown Funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. That's yes. That would, that would positive set it, attitude. I would say that's right. <laughs> Shelly, uh, I am going to go along the same lines. I think Happy by Pharrell Williams. I that's I've, I've met Pharrell Williams. Have you? I've spent some time with him. Oh, the voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I I'm often told that uh, my positive attitude uh, is something that doesn't waver very often. And so I pride that. I, I'm very proud of, of my ability to kind of turn things upside down. So plus, I love to have fun. Like who wants to go to work and be miserable? So yeah, happiness is the truth. It's true. It's cool. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Um, If you could have dinner with anyone from any time in history who is not a relative or a religious figure, who would it be? Shelly? Betty White. 
I could probably arrange that. <laughs> she died. Oh, she did. No, <laughs> <laughs> Is she, did Betty White die? Yes, she last did. year did she at die? 99, like last January or Gosh. end of, it was rough. Obviously not for you. <laughs> no, apparently I don't care at all about Betty White. <laughs> I think she is just so down to earth. I would just love to pick her brain about her life philosophy. I mean, she lived till she was almost 100 years old, so she's got to have some wisdom. She's seen some, and, and like she's still like pretty spunky, uh-huh. but but also like like I always think humor is maybe one of the the highest uh, forms of intelligence. You know, someone that just doesn't take themselves too seriously, or uh, you know, gets gets the humor of the moment. And yeah, Betty White's kind of that way, right? She. Have you seen, there's like a YouTube clip, and I don't want to, there might be some bad language, I can't remember, because you know, sometimes Betty White uses that little shock value, yeah, like yeah. an old lady saying a bad word or whatever, but she, uh, there's this, uh, this like behind the scenes stuff she did with Ryan Reynolds, and uh, for During the their pro- proposal. proposal thing, and he's, she like hates Ryan Reynolds, and she's mean to him, and, and he's mean to her, and it's kind, yeah, of, yeah. kind of fun to watch them, kind of, mostly like unscripted, but off the cuff, just her yeah. playing along. I love watching her interviews with like... Jimmy Fallon and Jay Leno and just those random questions. Okay. I'm just trying to recover from not knowing she was dead. <laughs> That's really what's going on here. Okay. Jonelle? Um, does it have to be a, a like a real person or could it be a fictional character? Oh, it could be. I mean, we can talk to dead people. So, <laughs> so I honestly, Ted Lasso, like oh, yeah. the character Ted Lasso, not the person who plays him, but I, I just love the way that he sees everything from such a bright light and then you find out that he has this super dark history and this all these demons he's fighting with but yet he spends all of his time lifting everybody else up and creating genius yeah we we talked about this a lot because um you know we our original iteration of the lead in Davis. We had too much Ted Lasso. <laughs> like we could basically just watch the whole season of Ted Lasso and learn all these important life lessons. But yeah, I agree. Pretty pretty special. I remember even saying that in the first commercials. Although he wasn't like full of wisdom, but I said this this could easily become a TV series with this character. So. And the actor, who's the actor? What uh, I don't know. What's Kim Pop? His his no, wife, it, but his wife left him. Like right before that, she had like, well, you know, it's Hollywood, you know, he, I can't remember his wife's name, but she left him for like some famous younger guy. Um, and I felt bad for this dude. And then Ted Lasso took off. So it's like it healed him. Sydney. Mine would probably be Elvis. And that's just because my grandparents, who I look up to a lot, um, loved Elvis like it was. They grew up everything Elvis. My dad grew up everything Elvis. And so I just want to understand, like, I obviously wasn't alive to see all of that. I just want to know why he was so loved, like knowing him yeah, more than just hearing. Yeah. And I think the food would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> I think Elvis, would, I think you'd eat some, some good, probably some chicken, but you know, some, something Southern food. I don't know, if, you know, the best episode ever, Ted Lasso, he's eating like he's eating like spicy food because he doesn't want to offend the people that made it for him. So he's eating <laughs> food that'll kill you. And yeah, so I don't know. Well, Betty don't, White's favorite yeah. was hot dogs and Dr. Pepper. Yeah, so, so Betty I'm White would be simple. She'd, she'd be chill. Uh, okay, so good meals. I know no one's thinking about the food. They're thinking about the person, but you know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I thought about Elvis the other day too, not 
no, I think about Elvis all the time. <laughs> but when someone was answering the questions, he was one of the guys that popped in my mind when they're talking about someone that just like be a, a cultural icon mm-hmm. and, and probably the way to that. Okay. Speaking of dinner, Jonelle, hamburgers or pizza? Hamburgers all the way. Pizza. Okay. Well, you two are on. I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a, you know, I'm a big hamburger guy. It's it's my, that's why I'm chubby. <laughs> okay. I mean, I love a hamburger, but if I had to pick, I know, I know, it's not really the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's winning the day so far today, but um, okay, that tells us more about you than you even know. We don't know what that is, but it tells us. <laughs> okay, um, what advice would you give to? your eight-year-old self, Shelly? Oh. I would tell my eight-year-old self to just remember your dreams. I've always wanted to be in education since I was, you know, reading books to my baby dolls. And so, um, but when I was eight, it was about the time that uh, we had some very challenging family situations and um it was it there was definitely a moment in life where it was like I had two paths and and one path that I luckily chose led me to where I am today but I could have easily gone down the other path that that would not have allowed me to graduate high school or be the first person in my family to go to college or anything like that so I would just say to her Make sure you remember what you want to do and who you want to be. Awesome. Janelle, same question. Um, get the confidence earlier. Um, I was super shy growing up, and a lot of people have a really hard time seeing that about me because I'm just not that way now. But I was all the way through high school. I didn't. I went to my 20th high school reunion a few years ago, and people, I married a, a man that came, that graduated from high school with me. And they would all come up to him and, hey, 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 who's your wife? Introduce us to, our, to your wife. And he, everybody's like, she graduated with us. But I realize it's because I never put myself out there. I never went after anything big enough to fail. And um, I should have done that. I, I look back and I wish I would have. I wish I would have risked it earlier and grew from those experiences because I stayed shelled up a very long time. Sydney? Mine would probably be somehow getting myself to understand that life is like a roller coaster. My younger, probably when I was, I don't even remember a lot of my younger years, I've blocked out some things. Um, But just that you're going to experience hard things, but you're also going to experience great things. And it's going to get me emotional talking about it. But um, I went through some really hard things as a young kid. And it's hard to think that things will ever get better. And I mean, since then, I've had great experiences. And I've also had really hard ones. And I just think knowing that that's what life is. Like, I'm going to experience really great times and really hard times. And both are okay. Yes. And it's normal. It's not like... I'm the only one that's dealing with hard things. Good advice. 
you know, it's uh, raising children who are, you know, have been all of these ages and one currently one of these ages. Uh, it's interesting to watch them experience these things, you know. Um, and I think educators end up being a little more uh, introspective, you know, than than the average person because maybe we're always thinking, you know, seeing, trying to see through the lens of a child. Because, you know, we all have great parents or whatever, and it doesn't mean that they blew it because they couldn't see through that lens. But I do think as an educator, I am I am seeing through my children's lens a lot more. I'm also not bailing them out um, because I know the great learning opportunities. But, yeah, I, I think I've watched them, and I'm just kind of proud of them in a different way because I would have blown it. Or I, 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 like I went through those phases and, and didn't learn the lessons I needed to learn, you know, until later. Sometimes, you know, dreams have to shatter or different things have to happen before you really learn the lesson. Okay. Um, Jonelle, if you weren't an educator, what would you be? I wasn't an educator for a long time. I was 35 when I became an educator. Um, and so when I first graduated from high school, I worked at Albertsons. I worked at a, um, a foundry. And then I found my first career love, which was banking and loans. And I spent 12 years in banking and loans and I loved it. And I was good at it. And um, I, I just love the organization of what you have to do to put together a loan and how, how you can show somebody's strengths to an underwriter to be able to um, get them potential to move forward and, and achieve their dreams, honestly. And then one day... We're all thinking, what are you, nuts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then one day it just it wasn't fulfilling and life was just, it was it turned ugly. In 2008, the, the mortgage industry went ugly and we were selling loans to people to fail them. And I couldn't look myself in the mirror anymore because I knew that I was writing loans for people that were going to default. And I couldn't do it. So I decided to go work at the IRS, and I'm not a chair filler. Mm. So um, that's what led me to education. But I, I honestly loved my time in the, in the mortgage banking world and working with the real estate agents and the, and the lenders and the appraisers. And, and it's such a team approach. Just like education, it's a very team approach to making something work. Sydney, how are you? Mine is probably going to sound silly, but um, a waitress. I waitressed for eight years, and I loved it. Um, I actually even tried to still do it a little bit my first year as a teacher um, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I took a pay cut when I my first year as a teacher um, from waitressing, and also just because I loved it, like, I love people and I love interacting with people and I also love like fast paced busy um, and I met truthfully some of the best people that I mean I I would have never met if it wasn't for serving them people tell you crazy things I mean sometimes I would joke that I was a therapist hmm. because people especially like would come in for lunch by themselves and just get talking or I just I met a ton of people and I met people who truly like blessed my life um I I met a couple that came in all the time and they got to know me and I had a family member who um had cancer and we were 
trying to raise money for their family and right then they wrote me a check and they didn't know him they didn't know I mean I just I met great people I love anything that I can do to interact with people so well Sydney I'm gonna piggyback on that before Dr. Linford asked me a question because I currently am a server okay so if you need a job Come hang out with us at Olive Garden. If it wasn't for high school sports. Uh, I know. I know. Seriously. Okay. My, what I would do if I was not in education, um, either a nurse or a cosmetologist. I love, I've always loved doing hair and my kid has let me experiment quite a bit since COVID with Mm -hmm. hair colors. And so we, we do that semi-professional at home, but nursing just always uh I've had some great nurses in my life and with my family and I I probably would cry way too much so I'm I don't cry as often as I probably would (laughs) as a nurse as I do in education so that's awesome you're right I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought waitressing no I tell people all the time that I loved, I would go back right now. I mean, I love what I do, but if for some reason I lost my job or like needed a job, I would do it. I love it. I loved it. Well, that is awesome. (laughs) Okay. Um, Your house is on fire. Everyone is safe and you have the opportunity to save one item. What would it be, Shelly? I have a framed picture, um, large, I mean, probably three foot by two foot in this very kind of fancy frame, a painting of the Last Supper that my, it was hanging in my grandfather's house and and he helped uh, raise us a lot when we were little because my mom was a single working mom most of the time. And after he passed away, we were putting stuff away. And at one point we looked on the back and he put to Shelly slash my nickname, which I will not use. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> it, it's, it, there's a different context of it back in the eighties and then what you would think of now. So, um, and, but, and it's in his handwriting. And so that is in my house that I would definitely want to grab. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get religious because I'm not very religious, but my patriarchal blessing, um, it has some twists and turns that I can see have, have taken place within my, my life. And I think honestly, you know, not, not in a spiritual sense, but I'm guided in this life through not just a spiritual sense, but through other people around me and they, you know, they, they make me a better person. And so having that wisdom that was written for me is important to me. Sydney. So when you say everyone's safe, does that include pets? Yeah. We'll okay. Include okay. <laughs> Cause that, I love my pets. Um, mine would be, and I'm, I am a crybaby, but I feel like this is making me seem like I'm more of a crybaby than I am. Um, would be, a. I I spoke at my grandpa's funeral um and I I kept a copy of of what I said um because he 
is it was my very most favorite person on the earth and um played a huge role in where I'm at helped pay for my schooling um days that I you know I had to retake some math classes in college because it wasn't my thing and I'd come and be like I'm done with college like I can't and he'd be like no you're not done with college you're gonna do this anyway he is the best person there was and I have so many great memories with him and um I was able to talk about those when I spoke at his funeral and I always have been worried that I'll forget all of the good memories I have with him and so that's why I've kept um the talk because I don't there's so many things I don't want to ever forget awesome (laughs) and I'm I'm a pity crier everybody knows (laughs) like people keep asking me what's how you should see me this morning with in a meeting with the principals I was a mess (laughs) what's wrong with me I need pills I'm a crier I am a pity crier too I just Hallmark commercials get me it's like a yawn and and, you know somebody so well that's like basketball just ended at Woods Cross and some of our boys were crying and I told Deanne I was like I'm gonna cry because these guys are crying I can't yeah I know and I'm not one of those you know those cheap podcast host that I see someone's feeling emotional so I'm gonna ask you the next question that <laughs> drives you deeper into the pain and we can have this. so uh, no, I'm I'm good I'm okay, just saying okay. I usually don't cry this much so you're know, saying this no. is not a therapy this session. Is not a, no I just I'm not gonna get cheap viewership by <laughs> <laughs> listenership by you know making you guys suffer okay um tell us about your project in in two sentences or less the project that you're working on for uh Leedon Davis. Sydney? I'm working on SEL, just putting in, helping teachers understand what it is and having a solid plan of of what our goals are. I am working on a tier three reading intervention program called SIPS and just making sure we have all the people, the resources, and the scheduling that it requires to make, you know, just better readers. Are you going to count the sentences? No. <laughs> okay, because I could go on and on. They're going to cut you off. They're going <laughs> to edit out any one sentence. Uh, we, uh, or I am helping implement the PLC process at Foxborough, and it's been amazing. The, the teachers, the trainings, and the, the buy-in that we're getting, the creation of mission statements, and PLC norms, and accountabilities and even my teachers you know as in elementary we were lacking professional development days because they're being utilized by letters but we went to our faculty and said this is this is something that is important like we believe in this we need you to believe in it so we allowed them to choose between a morning session an afternoon session or an after school session we provided food because that always works, uh, subs and or a stipend if they chose after school um, to do the four hour kind of this is our why, this is what we hope to do and talked about our standards and guaranteed curriculum and stuff and they just ate it up. I mean, most of them chose after school from 3.30 to 7.30 at night and it's been really exciting. Cool. How has, how has uh, the work that you're doing with 
uh, lead in Davis. How has that informed your your projects? And I know sometimes there's a, and that was that's always the challenge of the project, as we talked about that to begin with. Like we want something that's applicable, but also something that they're going the good work they need to kind of do anyway. You know, so it's not one more thing at a, at a, you know on your shoulders when you when you're in this program, but it makes it a little bit of a square peg in a round hole sometimes, right? Making things fit. So how, how's that worked? Well, I think, um, for me that the interconnection and the introspection sessions were really big for me because going in and, and really reflecting why are we doing this? And then how do I get the buy-in of everybody else? Because we're pulling kids from class and that's hard on teachers and I, I mean, I won't lie, I sat with bated breath when that middle of the year data came out, like, please, for the love, give me what I want to see so that, and, and, you know, and as I went through K3, it, it wasn't there. And um, I was discouraged and I went home. But I, I looked at that inter- introspection piece and I thought, okay, what, what are we missing? What are you, what are you not seeing? And I went back and went through 4-6 data, and it was off the charts. And really digging into it at this point, I'm finding that, you know, it, it was interesting to me because the last session of duty to develop, I, I thought, oh, I needed that like two months ago. Because some of those things that I was trying to implement with my new people and the teachers and... Um, those were the things I needed up front to get this project off the ground. But I could see how what I had done so far really led into the duty to develop. And I was like, maybe I maybe I have that quality more than I gave myself credit for. But um, we did find that K3, they're just there's just more holes and there's more to, there's more to fill in. And and. I would think like to thank COVID for that, um, <laughs> yeah. but we don't know, and we're going forward. But we were able to weed out some of our fourth through sixth graders because they were on level, and really drill down into K three, and we're seeing some incredible things. I'm excited for end of the year. Awesome, Sydney. I have loved all of it, <laughs> um, but just thinking specifically about my project, I think. Duty to develop has been very beneficial for me in the sense that um, I have people that are helping me with my project and I have somebody who um, I adore him, but he is often the one that doesn't agree, isn't isn't as passionate and he would tell you that about it as the rest of us and um, there were times that I was like, you know, does he really need to come? Like, not that I don't, he would probably be happy if we said you don't have to participate anymore. And um, anyway, when we were going through that and thinking about specific people and um, I realized how beneficial he's been for our, our committee because he's given us perspectives of the people who, who don't um, support or don't understand. Um, I honestly, him, I mean, we've all, everybody's been great, but he has opened my eyes to a lot of things I probably would not have thought about um, if if he wasn't on our committee. So I just kind of took from it that 
not only this project, but projects in the future, how important it is to have a variety of people on your, your committee. Like it, it's easy to find people who are passionate about it and want to help. Um, but getting the input about, you know, the other, other perspectives on it, um, I think has, has made what we've done more successful because we've considered other perspectives. I think um, the vision attribute has been most helpful so far because it, when you're trying to implement something that's not even achievable in a year, right? This is going to be achievable in, in three to five years. You really have to have that vision and go back to it often, because it's like, well, what, what is this little piece going to do? How is this little bit of information giving it to the teachers a little bit at a time going to really kind of start to build that puzzle um, to becoming an effective PLC at our school? So that I think vision has is, is been the most helpful for me. Awesome. I think with vision too <clears throat> that I've learned is that you have to help other people understand your vision too. Um, because I I would hope that um, the person on my committee who has not totally been on board with everything, that he has also seen why it is important um, to other people. So I think it's important to help other people understand your vision. Well, and... and I'm guessing this person wants the same thing you do. Mm -hmm. They want students to be healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, successful physically, mentally, emotionally. So if it's a matter of how you get there, I think that is way easier to kind of persuade and um, help, you know, drink the Kool-Aid because they want the same thing. And that's what I found with my teachers. They want the same thing. They want their students to be reading on grade level and they want to be able to, you know, pull kids out of intervention so that they can teach more tier one instruction to larger groups. And they don't want to have to do all of that extra work per se, but they also are starting to realize, like, if we put that effort in at front at the first and make sure that we're constantly looking at data and that we're zeroing our, our instruction um, to specifics with students, it's going to pay off way big in the end. So... Awesome. You know, and one of the things I, you know, when I, when I became an assistant principal years ago, I, we had to write, you know, very specific things. They asked as part of the portfolio process and it wasn't really a portfolio, but I did a portfolio. I did this little bound thing and I wrote, you know, I had all these sections and I was an English guy. I was an English teacher and I really didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was one of the first weird younger people going into admin at that time. It seemed like that was like everyone's retirement plan. And I felt like a little fish out of water, but I, I wrote the statement about vision. I remember it was just country wisdom at the time. And I was thinking about my own admin team and some of the stuff they'd been trying to uh, implement. And I, and I said something like, um, you know, vision and talked about how important it is, you know, that's a real understanding of where you want to go. You have to really see that. But the important part of, of vision is, is not just understanding you know, the journey and the destination, but it, the, the important part is making sure everyone else believes that the, the trip is worthwhile, you know, that, that we, we you've got to get the people uh, coming along. And so that's so intertwined with interconnection and uh, every one of these things, although we teach them on their own, you know, Janelle, you kind of got into that, like you, 
you need all of them. You know, one really can't stand on their own. Um, and these things came from, you know, really from principles first about what they kind of were missing and, and what they see is the, the big pieces that, that they wish they had learned early, but you almost never know. And you almost never like all learning, you almost never really learn it till you need it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we hope that that's what happens over time that, that you'll be able to draw from some of these experiences as we move forward. Well, um, this has been time well spent, um, and we are out of time. So uh, I want to just thank you. Thanks for being uh, vulnerable. I wish that, you know, we need to have a long-form podcast where we can just spend a couple hours and really lay it all out. But thank you. Thanks for being vulnerable and for sharing your thoughts and, that, and, and, and know that, you know, your thoughts are, are, you know, valued and we learn from them. But I think that probably the most important thing that will happen is, you know, is these podcasts become little time capsules and we can, we can go back and continue to learn from each other. So thank you for being with us. Uh, my guests, Sydney, Jonelle, and Shelly. Thank you. Thank you thank for you. having us. Yeah. And uh, I think you did a nice job of putting a lid on it. <laughs>